Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to share your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's Word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Would you please help me welcome our online audience, Pastor Tim and Alicia, if you're watching. We love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me share tonight with your church family. Hey, we're going to have fun tonight. You guys ready? We're going to have some fun. Well, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and I I love having the opportunity to share with you guys and just maybe share some things that God is challenging me with that I get to share with you. And so I'm looking forward to that. Before we do that, um, I just want to celebrate with some of the coolest people I know. And those people are our small group leaders. I've had the opportunity to, to work in small group world over the last three years. I don't, in, case you're, in case you're new, over the last three years, we've kind of made some shifts and some adjustments. And one of those shifts was that we were starting to focus more on getting people even out of rows and into circles and building relationships. So over the last three years, we've kind of come up with this, this concept of small groups and what it looks like and helping people uh, connect with other people and the things that they're passionate about and the things that they love to do and the last three years, we've had some awesome small group leaders be part of that. And I want to take a second and just honor you, our small group leaders and our coaches. If you've led a small group over the last three years, I want you to stand up right now. If you've led a small group over the last three years, will you stand up? Can we thank all of our small group leaders? Very cool. Come on, thank them. Thank you, guys. You, you guys can grab a seat. I thank you because... You are a representation of not just you as an individual, but over 1,500 people throughout each semester that are connecting and building a relationship, and you are making a difference. And one of the cool things that we got to do this past Christmas for our 2015 small group leaders, we got them them these really cool coffee mugs. How many of you guys like coffee? Hot chocolate? Water. All right, cool. Jess, if you would mind, would you bring me that that box? I thought it would be fun to give away some stuff tonight. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor at heart. I was in student ministry for thir- uh, 14 years, and I, I always give away free stuff. And so we made these really cool coffee mugs for our leaders to celebrate them and thank them. And I thought it'd be fun to give some away to you guys. And so who has a birthday today? Today is your birthday. Is there anybody's birthday? T- is it really? No, you're just raising hands. You're, you're messing with me. Is it someone's birthday? Meredith, it was your birthday yesterday? I want to give you this coffee mug. It's got some... Hot chocolate. It's got a coupon for our cafe. There you go. Um, Who is being brave enough and you're joining a small group? You've already decided you're joining a small group for the very first time this semester. Anybody? You are? Here you go, Jess. Would you mind giving that? Give it up for her. Right there. Let's see. I got got two more. Two more. Um, Let's see. Who is on our dream team and you were parking cars tonight. You were parking cars tonight. There he is. Come on down. I want to hook you up. He's even got his shirt on. He's ready to go. Our dream team makes things happen. Here you go. I got one last one. There you go. There you go. Yo, you're welcome. Look at that. I'll take thanks. That's why I give stuff out just to get thanks. Uh, One last coffee mug. Let's see. Um, Who should I give it to? Who wants it? You do? Okay, it's yours. 
Yeah. Right, right there. No, the one behind. Sorry, she raised her hand first. There you go. Thanks, Jess. Nice catch, Pastor Ron. Give it up for Tommy and the boys over here. Thanks, guys. I like. I say you just stay up here the whole time. It'll be fun. I'm just joking. He's. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I really am excited to be here with you guys, and I really do thank Pastor Tim and Alicia for asking me to be a part of tonight's service. We're going to have a really good time, and tonight, I entitled tonight's message, um, The Five-Second Rule. The Five-Second Rule. How many of you guys know what the five-second rule is? All right. I'm getting some honest people who are like, yeah, I can't do well, I want to I share with you, uh, just as a kind of an intro to this idea of the five-second rule, a story that I've experienced the five-second rule in, okay? So I was in sixth grade. It was 1991. Are there any 80s and 90s kids out there? I thought they'd be more excited. I, that's, that's okay. We'll, we'll get there. We're working on it. So our 80s and 90s kids, where are you at? Uh, it's decent. Okay. So it was 1991, I was in sixth grade, and uh, I was in one of my favorite subjects, and that was lunch. And I had, I had saved money up all week to get a special treat at our cafe, our cafeteria. And so what the treat was for me was uh, I loved getting a soft pretzel with salt on it and then a cup of nacho cheese. That's, that's good stuff, right? That's good stuff. And so I, I saved up my money, I, I uh, got in the cafeteria line, I, I ordered my pretzel with, with salt and a cup of nacho cheese, and I thought, man, the world was good. It was smelling good, the pretzel, the cheese, everything was good. And then I, I walked out ready to go back to my table, and then there was this kid, this eighth grader that just constantly was causing issues. How many of you guys know there was a kid like that in your class? H- how many of you guys, you were that kid? Yeah, there's more of those. So there was this kid, and, and I was walking back to my table. I was so enthralled with my, my nice pretzel and the cup of cheese. I was walking back to my table, and then this eighth grader decided that he would put his foot out. Yeah, that's how I felt. He, he, he put his foot out, and I didn't see his foot. I ran right into his foot. My foot caught his foot, and then it was like slow motion. My pretzel flew, I don't know, it was like 100 feet in the air. The nacho cheese just went everywhere. It was a disaster. And then... It hit the floor. And when it hit the floor, something amazing happened. The whole lunchroom just got quiet. Like, there, there, nothing was going on. It just got quiet. And then there was this kid in the back of the room that just kind of yelled out, Five-second rule! And so I did what every good sixth-grader boy would do. I ran as fast as I could, got my pretzel, picked it up, and I'm not proud, <laughs> but I ate it. I ate it. That's gross, right? How many of you guys have ever participated in the five-second rule? How many of you are sitting next to someone that just raised your hand and you feel like you need to get hand sanitizer right now? (laughs) So I bring up that that just crazy story just to kind of open up to where we want to go tonight. In those five seconds, I had a decision to make. In those five seconds, it was like the time stood still and I had to make this decision. And I believe that our, our decisions make a big difference. Let me just read to you real quick just some statistics about decisions. The average adult uh, in the U.S. would make 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day. 
Uh, if you think that's a crazy number, Cornell University said that 250 of those decisions are usually based around what you're going to eat that day, right? How many guys, the question in your house is, what's for dinner? <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm with you. What's for dinner? And we're constantly making these decisions, and 35,000 decisions a day the average adult would make. So if it's 35,000 decisions a day, in a week, that would be 240, uh, 245,000 decisions. I'm just good with math like that. Yeah. And then in a year, check this out, in a year, if we made 35,000 decisions a day, in a year, that would be over 12 million decisions. And in a lifetime, I didn't do that math. I didn't, I didn't do that. 12 million decisions in a year. Church, our decisions are important. What we do is important. Our decisions determine our direction. Decisions determine our direction. Our decisions determine where we're going, how we're getting there. What are we going to do when we get there? It's about movement. Our decisions determine our direction. How many of you guys have ever made a wrong or a bad decision? We, we all have. We all have. Let, let, me, let me challenge you as we get into this teaching tonight, this phrase. We can't change our past decisions, but... We can learn from our past to change the direction of our future. Can't change our past decisions, but we can learn from that to change the direction of our future. And that's going to be important for us as we're going to be digging into some of these things. And uh, before we get any further, let's just take a moment and just go before God and ask God that he would speak to our hearts in, in a big way tonight. God, I just pray that you would use the things that I would say tonight. Let them be words from you. Not Sean's words, but God, let them be your words. And I just pray that uh, the Holy, Holy Spirit, would you help me to convey what you want us to have tonight. And let us grab a hold of some of these principles, even practical teaching, that we can use our decisions to uh, determine the future and the direction that you have for us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to share with you guys uh, a story in the Bible of Jacob and Esau. You guys have heard this story before, maybe you've studied it before, but I'm going to just dig in a little bit and, and see how this can help us when it comes towards our decisions. Let me share with you a little bit of background. Uh, Jacob and Esau, they, they were children of um, Isaac and Rebekah. In about 20 years, Isaac and Rebekah were believing for children, and God blessed them with not just one baby, but two babies. They were, they were twins. And uh, maybe you guys know the story, but when the first was born, his name was Esau, and uh, the Bible says that he had the hair of a grown adult. I have a picture. No, I, I don't. I don't have a, I don't have a picture. No hairy babies tonight. The Bible says he, he, he was described as uh, having hair as a grown adult. And then his name was Esau, the firstborn. And then the secondborn, his name was Jacob. And he was described as trying to hold on to the heel of Esau. So we have these two children. And although they were twins, they had very different characteristics. Esau, he was more of the, the gruff guy. He was uh, geared towards being outside. He loved to hunt. He loved to be away for, for long periods of time in the wilderness. Um, he was preferred a little bit more and favored a little bit more by his dad, uh, Isaac, than Jacob. Um, Jacob, he was more of the clean-cut guy. He was more of the stay-at-home. Um, the Bible even goes on and uh, talks about how he would cook, uh, and he was favored more by his mom, Rebecca. So that's just a little bit of background, and let's dig into Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. It says this, 
Now Jacob, he cooked stew, just like we explained. And Esau, he came in from the field. And when Esau would go out to the field, a lot of times he went alone. And so I'm just assuming here that when he came in from the field, he was alone. And he was, it says that he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. For I am weary. And I want to pull out a word here, and I want us to kind of relate it to where we are, and maybe you've experienced, but it's the word weary. Weary. I believe sometimes that weariness is a warning sign for us. Weariness has the tendency to weaken our ability to make effective decisions. When we're weary, a lot of times we make uh, decisions that decisions that maybe aren't the right decisions to make. We've all been there, right? Weariness can cause us to uh, not think clearly. Weariness can cause us to be mentally and physically exhausted. Weariness can cause us even to have attitudes. Uh, Weariness can cause us to affect kind of what we hear and even what we say. And weariness can deplete us. Weariness can deplete us. Um, I believe that God would want us to exchange depletion with a deposit from God's word and encouragement from others. That we can exchange that weariness, that depleted state of being for a deposit of God's word into our lives. Let's, Let's just look at a couple scriptures that I think will help us tonight. In Psalms chapter 119, verse 28, it says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives strength to the weary. Aren't you grateful for that? And increases the power of the weak. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I believe we find strength when, when we're weary. We find strength from God, and we receive encouragement from others. We receive encouragement from others. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let me read this to you. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Again, we have this idea even with Esau where he was alone. You know, and the Bible says here, not to neglect the meeting together, not to be alone as in habit of some, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so I want to just maybe look at this in, in this way. That the trap that the devil can put into our lives, if we, if we look back even to Esau, we look in this passage, the trap that God, or the devil could put into our lives sometimes is the trap of isolation. Yeah. Isolation almost really fuels weariness in our lives. It can fuel that weariness. Um, that's why we see in different prison systems that, you know, when uh, a prisoner would, would be extreme or they would do something that would be wrong, they would put that prisoner in solitary confinement all alone. And there was this, this quote from a, a prisoner that was in solitary confinement. He said this, loneliness or isolation is the destroyer of humanity. Destroyer of humanity. And that's why we see even throughout the, oh, the, the Bible that over 50 different ways uh, in the New Testament we see that either one another or we see each other kind of happening. Let me, let me read to you some each other, one another kind of uh, points here. In the Bible, in the New Testament, it, it lays it out this way. It says that we should love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish 
each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, be devoted to each other, and many, many more ways the Bible instructs us to take care of each other than we need each other. Listen, the people that are around you right now, we need each other. You know, that's why we, I even had you guys grab hands a little bit before service to, to remember that we need the people around us. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. To fight against weariness, let me just give you one tool. There's many tools, but let me give you one tool tonight to help you fight against weariness before we jump on even further here. To fight against weariness, let me challenge you to do this. Create margin to rest. To create some margin to rest. Schedule times in your daily life to slow down and even to stop. To stop. When was the last time you did nothing? You didn't have anything in your hands, your phone. When was the last time you stopped and did nothing? It's impossible, Pastor Sean. I don't know how to do it. You can find five minutes a day. You can find an hour a day. Maybe you can find a day a month. What? I I think it's probably possible. Why? If you don't help you, you can't help others. You've got to, we've got to help ourselves so we can help others. I love the way the message paraphrase says this in Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics, isn't that timely? Above everything. Step out of the traffic. Sometimes we just got to step out of the traffic a little bit. And instead of being weary, put our focus on God and ask God to give us strength. Step out of the traffic. Weariness weakens our ability to make effective decisions. We got to push past the weariness. Let's jump back to the, the passage in Genesis 25. It goes on in verse one, uh, 31 and says this. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau, Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? What is this birthright to me? We don't use that word birthright uh, too many times nowadays, but in, in the Bible here, the birthright, what it's talking about is a double portion of a money or the inheritance that the firstborn would receive. It also talks about um, that the birthright would be a symbol of even authority within the family. And it also kind of talks about how the birthright would be a blessing from God to the family. And so Esau says here, says, or Jacob says, sell me your birthright. And Esau says, look, I'm about to die. I'm about, I'm about to lose my life. I'm about to die. What is this birthright to me? And what I kind of get from this is the, the, the weariness that Esau was experiencing drove him to hopelessness. Weariness drove him to hopelessness. And that's not a place that God wants for us, to be hopeless. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says this, But those who hope, say it with me, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint, not be faint. Those who do what? Those who hope. In who? The Lord. To hope in the Lord. What is this idea 
of hope. What is that all about? It kind of has this uh, description. It's a strong and confident expectation. A strong and confident expectation in the Lord that he's going to carry you, in the Lord that he's going to help you, in the Lord that he's going to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. When we lose hope, that's where the danger comes in. That's where the danger sets in. Church, I challenge us. I challenge myself. We can't lose hope. We can't afford to lose hope in God. We need to be hoping. We need to have hope in God. In Genesis chapter 5, the next verse says this, or 25, excuse me, says this. Then Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. He sold it. I see this pattern that's kind of intertwined throughout the story. Let me just read you the pattern that I see. Esau, he was isolated. He was alone. Because he was alone and isolated, he grew weary. He grew depleted. And because of that, he became hopeless. And because of that, he made the worst decision of his life. He made the worst decision of his life. He traded his future for a temporary fix. He traded what was of most valuable possession that was his for something of little value. And I can't help but think and wonder, what if, what if somebody would have showed up in that moment where Esau was? He, he was alone and he was by himself, and Jacob was kind of laying out this deal that maybe he's been thinking about for a while. And here, here was Esau, and he had this deal kind of laid out for him. And I can't help but thinking, what if somebody was there? And they said, Esau, listen, listen you don't want to do that because you're going to have 12 sons. You're, you're going to have a large family and a large nation. And there's going to be a moment that that nation and those people, that they're going to be enslaved. But listen, don't worry, because I'm going to send this guy. His name's going to be Moses. This guy Moses is going to show up on the scene, and he's going to say, God, who are you? And God's going to say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Listen, don't do it, because, because he, that's what God's going to say. But instead, what happened? If you do this, God's going to say, I'm the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. And I, I wonder in our lives if we would have somebody in our lives cheering us on when we have opportunities to make decisions that are not what God wants us to do. I wonder if we had people in our lives or I wonder if there's someone in, in, in our lives that when we're about to make a stupid decision, when we're about to do something that is against what God wants us to do, that we had somebody cheering us on in the corner saying, hey, listen, if you do this, this is going to be the end result. Church, listen, we have that someone, and that someone's the Holy Spirit. God sent his spirit to be with us, to, uh, to correct us, to convict us, to help us, to guide us, to encourage us. We have that someone in our corner cheering us on, helping us. But the problem is, Sometimes we just don't listen. So I think we need to maybe back up a little bit and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And not only that, but I believe we need to make room and create a little bit of margin and step out of the traffic a little bit and listen 
to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Listen to what God wants us to do. Our decisions determine our direction. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to in our lives? I believe we need to let invite God into the process. Invite God in the process. What if the five-second rule applied to our decisions? What, what if that could come into play? And when we're about ready to make a decision, the world stood still for five seconds. It's not possible. I, not that I figured out. But what if for five seconds the world stood still and we were able to think about and have a plan of action for our decisions? What if that would happen? What if there were some things that in that five seconds that we could do to make the decisions that God wants for us so that we could do and be who God's called us to be? Let me just share with you these five things that I think can help us tonight. The first one is this. I believe right off the bat that we need to ask God for guidance. Right off the bat, we need to ask God for guidance. A lot of times what happens is we try to get everybody else's perspective before we get God's perspective, before we get into God's word, before we get and hold on to a scripture that's for us. I get a chance in, in, in what I do, and I love what I do, to meet with people and, and, and help them and encourage them. And sometimes people a- approach me and they're going through crisis. They're going through something that's very really hard in their lives. And, you know, they'll lay out kind of what they're going through, and I'll, I'll listen and hear what they're saying. And then I'll ask them this question. Have you asked God to help you? And sometimes the answer is yes. A lot of times the answer is no. Because when we're in the middle of weariness, when we're in the middle of being hopeless, sometimes we forget our source. But if we backed up, if we had five seconds and the world stood still for five seconds and we begin to practice and asking God in the middle of situations, in the middle of decisions that we have to make, asking God for guidance, I believe that God would show us what that next thing to do would be. In Proverbs 28, verse 26, it says, A man is a fool to trust in himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. So we got to get God's wisdom, amen? The second thing, after we've asked God for guidance, I believe we can ask others for advice. Ask others for advice. I've seen it even with, inside of groups that people are connecting with other people and they're getting help from other people, that God places people in our lives to help us through situations that we're going through. Uh, to find somebody that's maybe been through a similar situation, um, to have godly friends to help you when, you when you haven't made a good decision, to have people around you that can help you and, and steer you and encourage you in certain ways. In Proverbs 24, and it says this, the more good advice you get, the more likely you are to win. It's in the Good News translation. I love it. The, the more good advice you get, the more likely you are to win. And that's good for me because I'm an options guy. I like seeing it all and then finding out what it looks like. And, and I believe that the more advice we can get from the right people, the more I think God shows us his wisdom through that. And we can see his wisdom and he can lead us and direct us in what that looks like. And so I think getting advice from others is a valuable thing that God would want us to do. Get in our encouragement, get our help from others. So ask God for guidance. Ask others for advice. The third thing is this, to get it right. Get it right. Listen, we're going to have situations in our lives that we make the wrong decisions, that we make the wrong choice. But I believe we need to get it right. First person we need to get it right with is God. Ask God to forgive you. If you've made some wrong decisions, if you've made some wrong choices, we've all been there. But I want to challenge you tonight that you would ask God to forgive you. 
and ask God to search your heart and show you what that would look like. And he is righteous and he is just to forgive us of our sins, to wash them as far as the east is from the west. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm so grateful for that. I'm I'm, I'm so honored that I'm part of a family like that. And the other thing that I, I think we need to get it right with is with others. Because our decisions have an effect on others around us. And if your decisions have caused uh, hurt or caused caused heartache on others, then I encourage you to go to that person and get it right with them. Apologize to them. Uh, Say you're sorry to them. Get it right. Make it right. And and let me just, on that note, let me just challenge you with this thought. Don't put qualifiers into your apology. What I mean by that is this. Don't say, I'm sorry, but... Don't say, I apologize, but, listen, I believe God's calling us sometimes just to humbly apologize for the things that maybe we've wronged somebody in. And that, that could be it. That could be it. Uh, so get it right. The fourth thing is this, is to weigh the cost. If time stood still and we're be- getting ready to make a decision, what if we were able to weigh the cost? Esau, he didn't really weigh the cost, did he? He just kind of jumped all in. He let his weariness, hopelessness, isolation drive him to the worst decision of his life. Esau didn't weigh the cost. I believe we should weigh the cost. Every decision that we have has a price tag. It all is, it's going to cost us something. Time, money, energy, repu- reputation, our talents, resources. Uh, it, it could hurt others around us. Family, our future could be at stake. Uh, our marriages, our children, our future children, our children's children. The decisions that we make uh, affect our future. Our decisions uh, decide our direction. So to weigh the cost. And the fifth thing that I want to challenge us with tonight is to create a plan. To create a plan. If you are up against the wall and there's some decisions in your life that you're continuing to make and they're not right decisions and you're, you're at a point and these decisions, they keep happening and they keep, there's triggers that are, that are going on or, or maybe it's not you, but maybe it's someone that you're close with, whether it's in your small group or in your family or a coworker. Listen, encourage them to uh, create a plan. Build a strategy. Build some safeguards. Uh, build some guardrails around those decisions. And help yourself line those, line those things up to avoid making those decisions over and over and over again. And then allow God to help you with each step that you move forward. I love how this passage puts it for us in Proverbs chapter 22. It says this, A prudent man foresees the difficulties ahead. And prepares for them. A simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. I believe we need to look at some things and realize that ahead of us, there might be some some warning signs. Ahead of us, there may be some things that are flashing. Maybe for you, it's it's weariness or isolation or hopelessness, or maybe for you, it's, it's lust, or maybe for you, it's your words or whatever it would be. But go ahead. It says, a prudent man foresees difficulties ahead and prepares for them and does something about them. Don't live your decisions by default. Live your decisions by God's direction. And I believe he'll reward us in every part of our lives. Today, church, The decision, whose is it? It's yours. The decision is yours. The decision is mine. I say we break the Esau pattern. I say we do something different. 
I say we adjust some of our, maybe our, our negative or wrong decisions, and I, I say we, we make some readjustments and some realignments, and we, we don't allow uh, our past des- decisions to de- determine our future, but instead we change that, and we change the direction of our future by what we learned by our past decisions. And I believe as we do that, God will continue to work mightily in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you guys receive anything out of this tonight? Thank you guys for listening so intently. I want you to take those principles, maybe take some of those practical elements and, and maybe evaluate kind of where you are right here in your life. So let me go ahead and pray over you, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much just for this opportunity to come together as a family, to, to worship you, to get in your word, and even just to be challenged concerning our decisions tonight. And Holy Spirit, right now, we invite you into our decision-making process. Would you help us to listen would you, would you help us to step out of the traffic a little bit? God, would you help us to set up some standards and some ways that we can adjust our decision-making? And God, if there's decisions that we're consistently making from large to very small, and they're not what you want us to do, God, would you show us what that is? Maybe it's at home with our spouses or with our kids or at family. God, maybe it's things that when we're by ourselves or when we're around the other guys or the other ladies— Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you show us what those things are so that our decisions would determine the direction that you have for us, not what the world has for us? And God, I just pray right now that if there's some people here that they haven't made the ultimate decision of giving their life to you, that before we leave tonight, that they would be brave enough and willing enough and have courage enough to step out and to pray and to talk with one of our team that's going to be up here in the front. God, let them realize that before they can make the other decisions, they got to make the ultimate decision with you by giving their life to you. Or maybe there's some people here tonight that need to get their right, life right with you, and they are a Christian, but they're not living the way that they know they need to. Maybe their decisions have been kind of off the charts, and they want to make those adjustments. I think before we leave tonight that they would get those things right. God, this week, would you challenge us to maybe evaluate, to kind of review our own lives? God, if there's things that we need to, to tweak, if there's adjustments that we need to, li- uh, to make, if we're living in weariness, if there's parts of us that are, are, are feeling hopeless, that, God, we won't be hopeless because our hope and our confidence is in you, not in our situations. And that, God, you would show us what it is that we need to do to make the decisions that will determine our direction for our lives with you. God, we Continue to thank you for what you're doing in Pastor Tim, that you're healing him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We're so grateful for our pastors. And God, I thank you as he prepares and as he's looking forward to Sunday, that God, you would help him just uh, be able to share what's on his heart just for us and that you would uh, have us ready to receive for what you have for him to share with us. And God, we thank you for a great weekend ahead of us, a great rest of our week. And we thank you for what you're continuing to do in our lives and through the ministry at Meadowbrook. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, before we go, if you need prayer for anything in your lives, myself, or our dream team, we're going to be up here. We want to pray for you, whether it's to get your life right with God, or if you just need prayer for things that maybe you're, you're struggling with, or you just need someone to agree with prayer, we're here for you. We love you guys. Have a great night. We will see you Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.